You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Right now I'm on the road here in LA and I just finished an epic event this past weekend speaking at the Biohacking Conference, sixth annual conference. And wow, just totally blown away with the the quality of the event, uh, the quality of people who are working behind the scenes and the people who came out. Thank you and a big shout out to everybody that came out and all the love and the hugs and I hope you had a great time. And it was an incredible experience, lots of new technology to talk about, and new stuff coming here on the Model Health Show that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. But I just want to share this really quickly because for so many people, including my guest today, who is amazing, this is, I believe, her third official time on the show, but it seems like more. We talk frequently, but this is the first time being in the studio together, so I'm really excited about that. But she's on the East, East, East Coast, all right, Easty East. And so when she travels even out here to California right now, she's doing a bunch of things as well, you know, getting on that new sleep timing, you know, the new sleep pattern and changing time zones can really kind of throw your body clock off. And one of my little strategies, one of my little hacks, now there was a study and this dissuaded me early on. So there's a study and this was published in the Journal of Applied Psychology that found that taking melatonin, supplemental melatonin, in, high, in too high doses or too frequently can downregulate your receptor sites for melatonin. So what that means is even though your body can still produce melatonin or you can take melatonin, it can't use it. It won't turn on processes and programs efficiently related to melatonin. Now that's scary. And that's something we really want to be more mindful of. And so getting out and popping melatonin pills just because it's out there on a store shelf, you don't need a prescription, that's hormone therapy, all right? It's a very strong, powerful hormone related to obviously your sleep and your circadian timing system. But being that it's a regulator of your circadian timing system, it's a regulator of all your other hormones, all right? From human growth hormone to cortisol, melatonin plays a role. It's also related to helping your immune system and it has very powerful anti-cancer activity. And also it's related to, you know, in that regulating your immune system, but also in regulating your body's fat metabolism. And the list goes on and on and on. We want to be mindful and make sure that our body is using and producing melatonin efficiently. So we need to be careful about taking supplemental melatonin. But in spot cases, short-term use, it can be wonderful. And so that's one of my little hacks, especially if I'm jumping time zones, you know, by a couple of hours, I definitely bring along my sprayable melatonin because first of all, being that it's sprayable, it's much more bioavailable. Taking a pill, and as far as melatonin is concerned, you're going to lose some of it via digestion and taking it, spraying it directly on your tongue sublingually in short-term use can be really great for getting your body to start to get on that new time schedule if that's what you're going for. And so I use the sprayable melatonin from Onnit because even their melatonin, they're utilizing earth-grown nutrients and not synthetic stuff to make the melatonin or to make their other supplements like Alpha Brain, which is their nootropic product and their flagship. And they've done double-blind placebo-controlled studies. All right, this is gold standard of study finding that their alpha brain product does in fact help with things like verbal and working memory, all right? It actually does work and they really stand behind what they do and I absolutely love them. So I carry that literally, it's in my book bag. And so if I'm jumping time zones and that's, it's great for a day or two, maybe even three, but you don't wanna use it daily. You don't wanna use it on a consistent basis, just trying to regulate your sleep. You wanna take care of your sleep hygiene first, the things that you're doing during your day-to-day life that can really help and show up for when you lay your head down on your pillow, all right? Because as I talk about in Sleep Smarter, a great night of sleep starts the moment you wake up in the morning. And so we don't want to have our, our our lifestyle be in a total mayhem. You know, I'm just thinking about herding cats right now, right? You're trying to herd cats, get cats together on the same page. That's what our days look like sometimes. And then we'll try and take a supplement to battle all of that, all right? Battle cat. All right, you remember He-Man? I don't know if you used to watch He-Man. That was my jam. But He-Man was like, he had his little scowling, scary, whiny cat. And then he hit him with the He-Man sword and he turns into Battle Cat. 
right? It's trying to, it's like herding cowering cats. And then now battle cat steps on the scene. Once we start to uh, get our, our daily kind of processes together that help us to sleep better. All right. So, and of course we've done masterclass episodes on what that looks like. So the word supplement, it really means supplemental, right? It's not the thing that is replacing or curing anything. It's to be a supplement to the other good stuff you're doing. All right. So if you are doing the good stuff for yourself and you need it in a spot case or, you know, a couple nights of rough sleep, stuff's going on, you know, maybe it's stuff with kids or whatever the case might be, the sprayable melatonin from on it is phenomenal. I always keep it with me, especially when I travel. All right. So pop over there, check it out. And also you can check out the Alpha Brain product as well. If you're interested in nootropics and performance and you're doing like a lot of, you're a mental laborer, I think you might love it. Some folks, it's just like, it's game changer. All right. So it just really depends on what's working for you and what your body needs and what it responds to. So definitely give it a shot, check it out. And what's so crazy is now it's really kind of just taking the nation by storm and it's becoming a household name. So if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely pop over, check out Alpha Brain and the uh, sprayable melatonin as well. Definitely recommend keeping that on hand when you travel. All right. So on that note, being here in sunny LA and hanging out, having an amazing time and very, very grateful to have my guest on today. And we're going to jump right into that. But first, I want to jump into the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review from Midwest to you. All your episodes rock by Grandma Cat. Sean, thank you for always bringing to your listening audience variety. I have read your book Sleep Smarter three times, lent it to two friends to read, and I'm getting ready to give it to my daughter to read. Yes, I am truly thankful God has given you the passion to help others. I just finished listening to your podcast with Shailene Johnson, episode number 342. I am also a big fan of hers. I admire the respect you have for each other. You truly want your audience to know the truth and find the one right, healthy, life-changing habits and lifestyle that best fits us. I don't like the word diet anymore. Keep rocking the world and love from a life listener. Oh my goodness, Kathy, that was so powerful. Thank you so much. You are a true legend. You are a superhero. You're doing the stuff that I did and still do. And it's just like, once we read something or we listen to something, we think we got it, right? But when you go back and you're listening with updated information, updated knowledge, you are a different person. Literally, if you go back and listen to this episode a second time, you're going to hear and pull in things that you didn't hear the first time around. And so same thing with books we, we read or, you know, this is why we have this incredible archive of the Model Health Show episodes to, you know, listen and to really integrate that stuff into, into your cellular matrix, you know, and that's what is, it's super powerful for just kind of learning and relearning and, and rekindling that passion. And you reading the book that many times just tells me so much about your personality and just huge... Shout out to you and thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the book and, and all the love with the people you care about. And listen, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. It means everything to me. It really does. Like this just totally made my day. And I appreciate that so very much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. My guest today is Dr. Jillian Tita, and she's a naturopathic physician and an absolute leader in this field. And she's the author of Natural Solutions for Digestive Health and the creator of the Fix Your Digestion Gut Restoration Program. And she's been featured everywhere from uh, Publishers Weekly to the Huffington Post to Dr. Oz Online. And the list goes on and on and on. And she's been on the show a couple of times already because she is so brilliant and so knowledgeable and so fun. And she is the past president also of the North Carolina Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And she practices at the Naturopathic Health Clinic of North Carolina. And she received her doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University and received her bachelor's and master's degree from Boston University in biology and energy and environmental analysis, respectively. And again, I'd like to welcome back to the Model Health Show, my friend, Dr. Jillian Tita. What's going on, Jillian? Hey, Sean. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always such a pleasure to see you. I know, but this is in person. I know. We know? finally got to meet in real life. I know. It's like we've known each other for years, so this is nuts. 
to finally <laughs> get here and have you sitting in the chair across from me. Very yeah. grateful. I'm so appreciative and grateful. I'm getting the good feelings in yeah, my belly. Yeah, those good gut feelings. Right? Yeah. And so this is what we're going to be talking about because you're bringing like a whole, your latest research is so fascinating because we're talking about literally this concept and we say having a gut feeling, like mm-hmm. there is a connection. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there. Yes. I mean, what's going on? How is our gut even, what's going on there that we can have feelings or um, having, you know, emotion based mm-hmm. on things going on in our belly? Well, it's so interesting, right? So when everyone understands that feeling, like when you get bad news, mm-hmm. right, that like clench in the gut, or when you get good news or like you're first falling in love, like how that feels in your gut and how folks use, you know, their intuition is their gut feeling, right? So I really want to talk about that. Like, what is the second brain? Like, why should we even care? And then how can we like do things to de-stress it, right? And like de-stress that second brain. So we have an entire brain in our digestive system. So from the base of our esophagus, all the way down, all through our small and large intestines, all throughout the entire GI tract is this vast network of nerve cells. This network is so huge, there's, in number, they equal the spinal cord. Wow. They are second only to the brain, this brain. And so thus, it's called the second brain. And your second brain is responsible for managing and monitoring all aspects of digestion. So it knows the volume of food and fluid and gases that are in your stomach, that are in one segment of your small intestine, that are in another segment of your small intestine, that you're, it knows the pace that you're making digestive enzymes. And if you need them, same with bile, it knows the pH of every square millimeter of your GI tract And it regulates motility and regularity, right? So like how frequently we're pooping, right? And, you know, I think a lot of your listeners might be thinking like, oh, yeah, when I get stressed, I like don't go to the bathroom or I'm like running to the bathroom. And that is all dependent on the second brain. That is so crazy. Like some of these things I don't even think about. And it's kind of how some people have a, in a sense, a predisposition towards like my wife, uh, sometimes, you know, I just spoke in front of it's like a thousand people, whatever. She was like, if that was me, I'd be pooping my pants. <laughs> right. And it's just like, I don't have that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand. Like, why would you feel that way? Yep. And for, for some other people, they can get a little bit backed up yep. if they're nervous or under stress. And yep. Wow. So, and this is, I think I first heard this from you because, you know, this is like the 17th time I've had you on <laughs> because you're one of my favorite people, but uh, the enteric nervous system. Yes, the ENS. Yes. Yeah. So entera just means like organs, right? right. So ENS is uh, an acronym for the enteric nervous system. And what's neat about it, there's a little bit other aspects to our guts in terms of like neurological function that I just yeah. want to make sure that I talk about. The first is that like we are You've heard the term neurotransmitter, right? Like serotonin. I mean, of course you have. So these neurotransmitters, actually, up to 90% of them are made, recycled, and have receptors. Their receptors are actually in the gastrointestinal tract. That's crazy. Like they're not made in the brain. They're made in... The word neuro is is associated with the brain. Yes. Yes. So... All of the, so serotonin, GABA, there's multiple like feel good hormones and signaling molecules that are made and their messages are actually heard in the gut. Mm. So that gives like another sort of layer to those gut feelings, right? Because these things that are supposed to be like uh, manipulating neurological function are intimately connected to the GI tract. I mean, they're the main, they're like the main driver of them. Also, so we got neurotransmitters. There's also a lot of hormonal things going on. Uh And um, I remember when I was in college and learning about this stuff, and I'm not going to say it's the wrong way, but it was the wrong way. All right. (laughs) And I was told by my professor that when we had, it was super brief. It was just like literally a Passover statement, you know, but melatonin is made in the pineal gland. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of the story. Well, come to find out there's like 400 (laughs) times more melatonin in your gut than in your brain. (laughs) And you could even have your pineal gland removed, you know, pinealectomy, Mm -hmm. which I don't recommend, but the levels of um, melatonin still stay relatively the same in the, in the in the body. So there's so much going on there, mm-hmm. and even just calling it the second brain mm-hmm. and the enteric nervous system yep. in your gut. Yep. 
hopefully we're really making this connection and how we feel is actually heavily influenced by what's happening in our belly. Yes. So that's a great segue because... So our enteric nervous system, it's fully responsible for digestion, right? It is actually independent from the brain and the spinal cord. So it's independent from your central nervous system. And this is good because if you ever had a spinal cord injury, like you still can digest your food, right? Like those neurons aren't running up through the spinal cord. However, here's the big however, even though the central nervous system and the enteric nervous system are independent of each other, they have a bimodal, like, two-way communication system always. Mm -hmm. So they are in relationship with one another. And not only are they in a relationship, they're, like, in a second-to-second, like, continuous conversation. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's where you get that, like, that bad news, and, like, you instantly feel it in your gut. Your gut didn't, doesn't have ears, like, didn't hear it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is how... Through this connection, if we get chronically stressed or we've been stressed our entire life because we have a history of trauma or abuse or PTSD or we're getting ready for a show or like some event and we're over dieting and we're under sleeping, Mm -hmm. all of these things imbalance the central nervous system via the sympathetic, aka like fight or flight branch, and the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. And I know I'm getting a little sciencey here, but it's really important to break this down because I think that people hear the word stress and like they go to sleep because we use stress so much as a term that it almost means nothing at all. It can feel very like gratuitous. And it's also important to qualify types of stress. So I'm not talking about a stress like I got a, a bad grade on a test. I'm talking about like real human, you know, trauma or what have you. So what happens with our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous systems, fight or flight, rest and digest, the two are going back and forth like a dance, right? So it's like we need times where we are like awake and alert and we maybe need stress hormones to get through. And then we also need our rest and digest time where our body repairs itself, makes antibody, digests our food, And the two are going back and forth like a seesaw, like a a nice little dynamic dance. When we are chronically stressed, it's like an elephant is sitting on one end of that seesaw and a little chihuahua is sitting on another, (laughs) right? So we get stuck. And that's called sympathetic overdominance. And what begins to happen then is that that sympathetic overdominance sort of like imposes itself on the second brain, right? So there's not enough as much time for rest and digest. Maybe your stomach acid production goes down. Maybe your digestive enzyme production goes down. Maybe you start to feel like bloated and uncomfortable in your gut all the time. Maybe you're like, wow, I never had reflux before, but now like I'm, everything's repeating on me and I have heartburn. Maybe you're starting to get constipated. Then if you're experiencing pain in your gut, that feeds back up to the central nervous system and you experience, you know, anxiety or unease or, you know, disquiet or whatever with all of those things. And this is going on constantly. This is nuts. Because, you know, today more than ever, um, this conversation about the microbiome and all the incredible and beautiful and mysterious and strange things going on there and how you know, this is really the final frontier mm-hmm. when we're talking about human health. Yep. And we're really just starting to understand this. But in knowing that and how our microbiome can affect our body fat composition, mm-hmm. how it can affect the function of our brains, yep. how it can affect um, our longevity, yep. to really, for, for many of us, we immediately jump to, okay, so what can I eat? What can yep. I take? Can I take a probiotic? This yep. kind of thing. But we're not targeting this kind of mental aspect, you know, like because it's a uh, dual feedback mechanism, you know, so your emotions can have a huge impact mm-hmm. on what's happening in your gut and vice versa yep. is what I'm really hearing you yep. say. Well, and not only that, there's very interesting, this will happen in our lifetime where there will be some type of specific probiotic that is devi- like designed for you, Sean, that you can take to help optimize your like mental emotional game, a probiotic. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you mentioned about the microbiome. 
earlier we mentioned the production of serotonin. And serotonin is made by cells in the gut that are called EC cells, enterochromaffin cells. Okay, their activity is largely influenced by the uh, landscape of the microbiome, specifically spore forming bacteria like the actinobacter uh, genus. They are heavily influential in our production of serotonin. Serotonin is very important for appropriate digestive mobility, right? So low serotonin states will often create constipation, right? So if you have an imbalance in your microbiome and those EC cells aren't getting the stimulation that they need to make appropriate serotonin, you're creating like a a motility problem in your gut, which then once you have that motility problem, you are going to be preferentially choosing for, because your bacteria are evolving and changing all the time. They are like an ecological landscape, like in rapid evolutionary time, you are selecting for bacteria that can survive in a slow environment. They Mm. do best in a slow environment. And so then you worsen that imbalance and then you of, of bacteria, and then you worsen that production of serotonin. And that is just like a sliver of one example. And then we can even get into like dysbiosis itself can increase inflammation at the level of the lining of the gut which is going to increase, you know, inflammation, immune activation, all of those things. So it's this incredible, it's this incredible interconnected, interrelated symphony between like our emotions and our gut and our bacteria and like our our bowel movements, like all of it, you know, all of it. Wow. You know, and I I really want us to just kind of take that in because when we hear about serotonin, it's usually in relationship to being this feel-good neurotransmitter yep. and really understanding like this has a lot to do with your poop moving out yes. of your body. Yes. And so, and also if it's not, it's going to have a direct feedback as well. It's going to be a vicious circle yes. because when you're full of crap, you know, you're going to probably feel like crap. Yep. You're probably going to talk crap. You're probably yep. going to treat people like crap. Yep. And really understanding this, this one point, which, you know, like a lot of antidepressants are working on that pathway, you know, these SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. But the question is, is serotonin being produced Mm -hmm. by those enterochromaffin cells? And is it, is it adequate? And is it doing its proper jobs, like the receptor sites? And all this has to do with what's going on with your bacteria. So you could take a drug, but it might not even work if the bacteria isn't right. Well, the drug will... Drugs are forceful, so they will work. What SSRIs do, and it's interesting because an off-label use for SSRIs is IBS, particularly constipation-driven IBS. Wow. And that's because, again, serotonin is used by the body to get peristalsis started, and peristalsis is like that rhythmical muscular contraction that propels food down and out, right, every 24 hours. So our body requires serotonin in part to help get that going. So what SSRIs do, and this is fascinating, I know we're kind of like going on different little tangents here, but what these drugs do, I think it's important for your audience to understand this because a lot of us go to our doctor and they're like, oh, here, you need this, we're just putting in what you're missing. And that is a little bit, um, that's not quite exactly what's going on. What SSRIs do is they force all of the serotonin out of the nerve So they basically are going to make your body blow all of the serotonin that it has in the nerve, like the neuron, out into what's called the synapse. The synapse is the space between the nerve cells, like where they're communicating. It's like where that action is happening. So now the body is tricked into thinking that it has plenty of serotonin because all that serotonin is out there in the synapse. And for a little while, this is going to be great because you're going to be like feeling, you might be actually feeling a little like lifted. You might actually start pooping better. But what happens is that because many of our body systems are based on feedback loops, right? right? So the body says, oh, we have plenty of serotonin. So I'll make a little bit less. I'll make me, my nerve cells will now make a little bit less. Maybe we'll start like pulling in some of the receptors off these cells because we have plenty, like we don't need it. So you get a down regulation of receptors and then just like a lower level of self-production of serotonin because this drug has forced out all of your serotonin. And that's precisely why these medications are very difficult for some people to get off because if you just cold turkey that, 
you are left in a fundamentally low serotonin environment. You actually have lower serotonin than you did when you started the medication. So while it is accurate to say that these drugs manipulate serotonin, they are not supplemental serotonin. You know, they are like forcing that that neurotransmitter out and they're preventing it from being taken back up. So they're leaving it in the synapse. But again, that consequence is your body's being like, oh, we have plenty. I'm going to take out my receptors for this and I'm going to make less. Mm. That's what, and GABA, like drugs that work on GABA are very similar. Like, you know, your benzodiazepines, right? I'm sure you know lots of people, like it's very hard to get off something like say like a clonopin or an Ativan. And that's precisely why. And so then when you don't have those neurotransmitters and then you really don't have any, like, how do you feel after you feel horrible? Like your gut shuts down all of those things. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this because this, it's just, we need to know, you know, a lot of this stuff is just kind of, again, happening behind the scenes. We're not asking questions. And so I want to talk, and it's so crazy, like you just tapped into my mind, but I wanted to ask you about GABA mm-hmm. because this is, you know, really new yeah. to the relationship between GABA and the gut. So mm-hmm. can we talk about what is GABA mm-hmm. even, what is it yeah. and what, what's the connection with our gut? Well, so I think of GABA as like our body's major inhibitory neurotransmitter. So serotonin, I'm going to contrast it to serotonin. Serotonin has action for both inhibitory effects and excitatory effects in the nervous system. GABA is like your chill out hormone. It helps you chill. In the gut, it helps reduce visceral hypersensitivity, right? Which is if you have a gut all full of gas, say, and because you have IBS and you're eating foods that you're sensitive to and all of these things, that stretches, that stretches the tube of your intestine, right? And you have pain receptors all throughout. And so you get a lowered threshold of stimulation that you need for pain. GABA can help reverse that. Like GABA can help with pain in the gut. And also it's a, the major, it's one of the major hormones that's released when the parasympathetic nervous system is active and doing its thing. That's so crazy. So see how it's all, it's like all connect. I mean, we could sit here and like go through all the hormones and like do like we, all yeah. the connections back to the gut because that gut is really like, like the grand central station of our body. Yeah. Like all other systems are going through there. And I'm seeing, you know, there's a relationship between the, you know, excitatory energy pathways and also the relaxation because GABA for me is when I hear, you know, I think of sleep immediately and there's a lot, you know, supplements and drugs that are trying to manipulate that pathway for that purpose. But wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Sleep and anxiety and like all of these things. And so the reason why the, the reason sort of why we should care about this is that many, um, chronic health disorders whether they are, so like on the gut side, like IBS, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, inflammatory bowel disease, these all have a component of a dysregulated enteric nervous system. That is like an underpinning component of all of it. So we're realizing that the second brain is so important in like the pathogenesis of those things. And people that have abuse or trauma in their history or maybe grew up like in an addicted household or just, you know, things are met, like people grow up messed up that those folks have an increased risk for virtually all gastrointestinal disorders, not just that, but also like cardiovascular disease and like neurodegenerative conditions. It's all interconnected and interrelated. Mm -hmm. So that's why we should care because it, it literally increases your risk for these things. Like it literally can threaten your life, especially in later decades. Yeah. You know, like it can shorten your life. Wow. So. And this is why, you know, your new research and um, you've got some new work out there that people can get access yes. to in talking about de-stressing your gut. Yes. And so I want to talk all about that. But we're going to yep. do that right after this quick break. <laughs> so sit tight and we'll be right back. Don't sleep on sleep. Today, there is a big revolution happening to improve our sleep quality because we're understanding finally just how much our sleep quality impacts our physical performance, our brain function, and literally impacts our body composition. Sleep deprivation is something that can directly lead to increased fat gain and an inability to lose weight as well. With great sleep, we see an increased ability to burn fat, like the research that was done by the International Association for the Study of Obesity that found that 
our sleep quality, namely a sleep-related hormone called melatonin that everybody's heard of, increases your body's production of something called brown adipose tissue. This is a type of fat that actually burns fat. And the reason that it's brown versus the white adipose tissue is brown adipose tissue has a lot more mitochondria. And these are the energy power plants in our cells, very metabolically active tissue that we build more of when we get great sleep. Now, the issue today is getting that great sleep. And there's tons of lifestyle factors, but there's also a nutrition component. And there's a study that was published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior that found that the renowned medicinal mushroom reishi was able to, number one, significantly decrease sleep latency. This means you fall asleep faster when you have reishi. They also found that this increased overall sleep time for study participants. And they found that th this increased the sleep efficiency by improving the non-REM deep sleep and improving our light REM sleep as well. This comprehensive approach to improving sleep, it's not pounding our sleep into submission, what we see with conventional drugs and things of that nature, where it's kind of like pseudo sleep. This is actually improving your sleep quality, your sleep efficiency by utilizing Rishi. Now, the only Rishi that I use is from Four Sigmatic because it's dual extracted, where they're doing an alcohol extract and a hot water extract. So they're actually extracting all of the nutrients from the mushroom that you think you're getting with company X. All right, you're actually getting those compounds. With the hot water extract, you're getting the beta-glucan related compounds and then with the alcohol extract, you're getting more of the hormonal compounds. And I think these are really important for sleep, like the terpenes and things in that category and so much more. So make sure to use foursigmatic.com forward slash model to get your hands on this and so much more. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 15% off their Rishi elixir and all of their medicinal mushroom elixirs, coffees, hot cocos, and so much more. I love Four Sigmatic. I literally have them every single day, one of their different products. Today I had my Lion's Mane coffee mix. So, so good. And it has all of these benefits as well. If you're still drinking standard coffee, what are you doing? You need to get these benefits from the Four Sigmatic coffee mixes. Now, head over and check them out ASAP because these are absolutely game-changing. The coffee mix, great for in the morning. Rishi, great for in the evening and winding down. And they've got all of this research to back it up. And this is what it's all about, is having more education so that we're executing on the things that really do work, that have a clinically proven benefit, and we can actually enjoy ourselves and have a good time along the way. And again, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model for 15% off everything. And now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Jillian Tita. And we're going through this wild connection that we have between what's going on in our gut and what's happening with our experience and our emotions and what's happening with our brain, our, our first brain, which I think <laughs> eventually the gut might take over that role as far as, you know, how we're discussing it in culture because of, man, it's just really, really amazing what's going on there. So uh, before the break, we talked about uh, some of the strategies that you have that you're putting out mm -hmm. for people to get access to in de-stressing yeah. our gut. Mm -hmm. And obviously you've kind of laid the groundwork of how important it is. So can we talk about now, like what are some things that we need to do or to be more mindful of to start to de-stress yeah. our gut? So with this, um, and I know you're all about the nuance, Sean, so I love it. And that's why it's like perfect for us to have this conversation. I think there's a lot of practical things that we can do, like physical things. And then there's like this more nuanced aspect of like our own inner work and our own self-development and self-actualization. So we'll get the practical stuff out of the way first, because that's, that's easy. So when, especially if someone has been diagnosed with IBS or IBD or SIBO, or like they're just, they're constipated, like they can't poop. I'm sure you've heard from people that like they go two weeks without having a bowel movement. I've heard that before. I know, and I know some people listening are like, how is that possible? It's possible. Yeah. It's definitely possible. So I have this saying, I say movement equals movement. And so we were talking about the walk earlier, going for a daily walk, preferably outside, is one of the easiest, simplest, cheapest ways that you can balance your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which in turn will have beneficial effect 
on your second brain, the enteric nervous system. There's a lot of research coming out of Japan, especially for um, walking in the woods. They have a name for it. They call it Shinrin-yoku, which yes. means forest bathing. You've heard. Yeah, Shinrin. I, first of all, the name Shinrin-yoku. So, doesn't yeah. it sound wonderful? Like, it and does. then forest bathing. Like, I want to go do that. Like, let's go do That's that like after a, this. Definitely like, get that tattoo. You know, you're <laughs> trying to get the little, you know, symbols or whatever. Yeah. You know Ariana Grande, the singer. Oh, mm -hmm. She recently got a tattoo yeah. of you know it was some I think it was like Chinese letters, and she thought it said one thing, but ended up saying like I don't know, your feet are too big, yeah, or some like crazy soup thing, and like with a side of lamb or something. Yeah, yeah. something okay. to do with some food, I think. You know, <laughs> so but Shinrin Yoku, yes, is pretty pretty dope. Yes, I, I think so. I think it sounds like something I want to do all the time. Forest bathing, yeah. So what it does is it helps. It not only balance increases what we call autonomic tone, which is that appropriate seesaw movement of sympathetic and parasympathetic. Um, but it also decreases like the harmful effects that cortisol has on the brain. I think a lot of people want to like instantly demonize cortisol, like it's a bad thing. It's not, a, cortisol is not a bad thing. Like there, no hormone is bad. We would all be dead if we didn't have cortisol. But of course, in excess, as we are like when we're under chronic stress, right, it can have harmful effects for us. So walking slowly in the woods, strolling, you know, get yourself a little dog or a big dog and go for a walk. Yeah. Um, you can take it a step further. I'll often coach people to use the walk as an opportunity, like almost like a, a walking meditation where they can fully engage their their senses. You know, we were talking earlier about like dropping into our bodies and just like allowing your body to like actually like tap into how you feel. And so by engaging our senses, like looking at, looking only at like what's in front of you, look at the birds, look at the trees, look at the sidewalk, look at the people, look at the cars, listening, like listening to the birds, listening to whatever's there, feeling the air, the sun on your skin, you know, breathing and like really feeling the breath through your lungs, feeling the earth through the soles of your shoes or your flip-flops or what have you, really engaging your senses. And then, you know, when your mind wanders as it's going to, just bring it right back, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a, it's a wonderful way to slowly practice self-awareness and getting your mind still, which of course is a major um, avenue in towards unlocking that sympathetic overdominance. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that you're sharing this because I, I know that I was a big, I had an issue with this, with the walking, you know, being in this field almost 20 years now. But so it was like 17 years ago, getting into uh, fitness and being a strength and conditioning coach. And people would come in and they're like, you know, I've been walking to lose weight. And in my mind, I'm just like, you're going to have to walk a long time. You know, just like it didn't register as something that was efficient or effective mm -hmm. for, you know, any results. Mm -hmm. Cut to today. I'm going to put this up there at the very top of, I mean, humans, yes. we are designed to walk. That is the number one thing we're designed to do. Mm -hmm. And your genes do really good things when you're out there walking. And part of that, you know, because for me, it's just like, well, okay, well, I can do that. And also, you know, get, you know, some exercise in. Yeah. So I'm just going to run in the woods. Yeah, no. That's, that's that uh, sympathetic. Mm -hmm. It's getting more than sympathetic. And the mm -hmm. great thing that you mentioned was this is a more of a parasympathetic, mm -hmm. beautiful form of exercise. You also get some insulin sensitivity yep. things going there as well, but it's just more relaxing for your nervous system. Yep. Well, and your, your circulatory system, like you're getting your blood flowing. Yeah, the lymphatic you know? system. The lymph system, like you, your body is letting go of, you know, it, if you have increased blood flow to your muscles, that means you have more oxygen and nutrients delivered to your muscles. And then you have all the carbon dioxide and the lactic acid and all the other like metabolic byproducts that are making you feel achy and like deconditioned and just having knots all over you. Like all of that helps. Yeah. But, and you bring up a good point, like movement is different than exercise. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. I think a lot of people like want to marry them, you know, like they want to marry the two and they are quite different and they have quite different effects. On, on the body, like overlapping, of course, yeah. but yeah, you don't want to... It's like a Venn diagram. Yes. Like, please go for the run in the woods if you want, but understand that that's not, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. And I also want to ask you about, because I would imagine as well that going for the walk and thinking in terms of, you know, health and weight loss and those kind of things, by being able to de-stress is mm -hmm. going to help with yeah. that side of the equation. 
there's going to be, if you are de-stressed, like there is nothing that that's not going to help with. That's going to make you a better partner. That's going to make you a more present parent. Like that's probably going to make you more productive and effective at work. It's probably going to help your sleep. Um, Sleep is another major way to increase um, what we, like what I'm calling autonomic tone is just appropriate balance of sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Like it's just like the, you know, uh, that like touch and go that is appropriate and like healthy and compensated. So sleep is enormous for that. So everybody go get sleep smarter and Mm -hmm. make sure that if you are having sleeping issues, like you have to sort that out. And I know, you know, with like the, our internet age, like, you know, all of our phones are on us all the time. And a lot of people are on their phone, like until two in the morning, just because they're not being productive. Like they're just scrolling on Instagram and there's no judgment there because certainly I've done it too. But, um, you really, really want to sleep. So like being productive about like your sleep times, your wake up times, sleeping where it's dark in your bedroom, maybe some white noise, don't have like unpaid bills or like unfinished projects like stacked up on your table, like stressing you out. Like you really want to create like a really wonderful, dark, cool, calm sleep environment and go to sleep. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) When you were talking about it, it made me think about, you know, like even a few decades ago, we just didn't have, even with television, we didn't have that access for this like entertainment that's like shooting at you. It's like shooting to your optical receptors. Mm -hmm. Like you're pulling this thing in where, you know, like for entertainment, you might go to a a live play or something, you know, and that's like the, but you're not going to get access to that kind of stuff. It's just a lot more time to just be with yourself to relax. And these things are hyper stimulating as well. Like, it's like a little slot machine in your pocket. It is. Well, I'm talking about neurotransmitters that like lights up all your reward centers and, you know, all your dopamine and all of those types of things. And it just creates for so much overstimulation. And that type of sensory overstimulation further will disrupt that autonomic balance. So over overstimulation of any type of sensory input, whether it's like blue light or light or what have you can also disrupt. So another very easy hack. And I know you, I know you heard this at the biohacking conference (laughs) is the, is blocking the blue light from our phones and our screens at night. Like that's a very easy practical thing that people can do, whether they put their phone in night mode. Um, All the smartphones have a night mode where after sunset, it removes the the blue light. So your screen looks a little orangey, but whatever. And then you can get a pair of um, blue light blocking glasses on Amazon for like, I don't know, 15 bucks, yeah. you know. And do- the, the designs are so much better now. There's different ones. <laughs> I literally, again, I was doing this seven years ago, eight years ago. It's getting close to a decade now. And so I ordered me some blue light blocking glasses and I just, I can't believe my wife even like still liked me. Right? They were so <laughs> big and goofy looking, but there's some cool designs now. Yeah. And so yeah, at minimum, we can have those little quote yes. hacks, yes. but let's just kind of ev- evolve beyond that a little mm-hmm. bit, which is crazy. We have to say this mm-hmm. to where we just give, give ourselves a little bit of time to be screen free, yeah. you know, especially before bed. And my, advo- my advocation, honestly, it would ideally be, you know, just... Harvard researchers found that every hour you're on your device at night, and it wasn't, it didn't matter during the day, but every hour you're on your device at night resulted in melatonin being suppressed for 30 minutes. So each hour you're on your device, 30 minutes of suppression. So you can go to bed and be physically unconscious, but that doesn't mean you're going through your sleep cycles correctly, you know? And so some people, you know, they were they're doing these little apps and stuff and monitoring their sleep. They're like, is 15 minutes of deep sleep good? Is that okay? No, that's not. You know, there's something going on with what's happening with the signaling. And by the way, some of these apps out there, guys, I just want you to be aware. You don't want to get hyper connected to them because they, the science is not 120 yeah. yet. So yeah. it could something could be off there. So you are, you're okay. <laughs> but I really want, this is why I point people more towards instead of self-quantifying with these devices, like let's pay attention to how you feel. Yes. Let's pay attention to how you look. Like mm-hmm. look at yourself in the mirror. Let's mm-hmm. pay attention to how you perform. Yeah. You know, and when I say how you look in the mirror, not like, you know, you're, you look like, I don't know, Captain America or something, but just like paying attention, like, you know, what's going on with your eyes. Yeah, like, is your face puffy? Do you yeah. have bags under your eyes? Yeah. Like, is your skin getting sallow? Like, all of those things. Ah, simple stuff. Very, very simple stuff. I love it. I mean, the other day, and I shared a story on the show, but, you know, I had this little issue with my son, which he's been, he's seven now. He's been sleeping through the night, 95% of nights, you know, ever since he was eight weeks old. 
And, you know, he was, he called me in the middle of the night or he, he calls his mom or me. Like, I know he knows, he kind of just knows who he can get, you know? And so I came in there, it was like two in the morning and I was like, what is it, bud? And he was like, my leg itches. Like, <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, are you, s okay, just scratch it. All right, you know, go back to sleep. And so, you know, I had to interrupt to sleep and I had to get up super early. And I was like, you know, putting stress on myself, which that's another thing to not put so much stress on yourself, you know, because you can, at the end of the day, too, we also have to understand the human body is very resilient. You mm -hmm. know, if you've got a night or two of crappy mm -hmm. sleep, you're mm -hmm. going to be okay. Yes. You could pay back that quote sleep debt. But yes. once it becomes chronic is the thing. And so my eyes were like a little red mm. that morning, which I don't normally see that. I was like, wow, like, okay, this got to me a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? So just paying attention to those yep. small things. Did it throw your hunger off? I know. I was hungry. When I, first thing. When I, so I'm, um, I flew out here, right? So like time differences. Yeah. And when I cra travel across time zones, for whatever reason, I just stay on East Coast time. Mm. So no matter what time we go to bed, yeah. we go to bed at 8 p.m. or 3 a.m., like I am getting up. And so I have a difficult time sleeping when I travel sometimes. And so I've been a little underslept. Mm. And I'm noticing that I want to, my hunger greatly, greatly increases. So tuning in to your intrinsic cues yes. that your body is giving you is a major way to develop that self-awareness that we're talking about, right? Which is so crucially important, like not just for maintaining your body and like managing your energy and managing your health, but I would also argue like managing all of your mental and emotional narratives that set up to help drive some of this chronic stress as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you said this because that's tuning back into how you feel. Yes. And that was the biggest thing that I noticed when I got up that morning, I was hungry, which I'm usually not hungry for hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same, you know? same way. Mm -hmm. And I was hungry. I was like, oh man, like I'm, I'm really hungry. <laughs> but, and the thing is also, I have the opportunity of, okay, let me feed into this feeling and, yep. you know, kind of pacify myself or just kind of realize like, oh, this is what this is. And just kind of continue because it did disappear, you know, kind of progress yeah. and, and went away. And then just got back on my pattern the next day. And so thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good stuff. And, you know, for us in talking about de-stressing, I wanted to go back a little bit because the walking mm -hmm. aspect, what about folks that are listening right now? They're like, you know, because first of all, if you got access, mm -hmm. you know, a, a neighborhood, you know, especially a forest or some nature to go to, but, you know, shout out to everybody listening to NYC. Yeah. You know, what if you're in NYC and just like, there's just buildings yep, around yep. here. Like, what do I do? Yep. I would say just still go. Yeah. Still go. You just do the best that you can. Yes. Right? So in NYC, there's they have a beautiful park called Central Park yeah. in, you know, downtown. But, well, and we could even say, like, some people live in, I don't know, Minnesota. And when it's, you know, February and there's eight feet of snow on the ground, like, these people are not going to, like, go for a nature stroll. So using treadmills is fine, like doing the best that we absolutely can. Um, and for folks that perhaps can't walk in the wintertime or whatever, or maybe because they're, well, maybe they're wheelchair bound. That is when I would suggest like meditating actually as a substitute. It's a good substitute. That's a good segue. Mm -hmm. Segue alert. Let's talk about how does meditation relate mm -hmm. to this? I'm fascinated to hear about Well, this. so meditation fundamentally just helps our well, it helps us train ourselves to be able to watch our thoughts, right? So the point of med meditation is not to just like, <laughs> like blank out and become like a blank, um, yeah. like drooling, you know, void or something yeah, like this. One with oxygen. <laughs> I am one with oxygen. <laughs> it helps us. It helps us to watch our thoughts, which in turn helps us to slow down our thoughts if we're willing to like have that reflection and invite that stillness. And that's a very hard transition for most people like coming out of our modern lifestyle, right? Everything is frenetic. We gotta be on the grind. We have all the stimulation constantly. And so I do think that there's a, a rather large barrier of entry like for most people. Um, but if you are listening and you're someone who has like heard this message over and over from like different experts to like begin introducing mindfulness and meditation into your life, I think that that is really, really important. Um, so what this does, as our thoughts slow down, 
and we're allowed to just be in space, like create that space, even having little gaps of space, then our thoughts are not actively instigating and triggering our autonomic nervous system, which is that, or the sympathetic branch of that, which is like fight or flight. So you're not getting that alarm response, mm. right? Because if our inner narrative is like, oh my God, I can't believe she did this. I can't believe she said that. Like, why is my mom like that? What, yeah. you know, it's mostly like this long line of like complaining. Yeah. That actually is not good for autonomic <laughs> balance. Yeah. And it's just, it's got continuous, just happening all the time, especially if you're unaware. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first started meditating, the, the first thing that happened, well, first of all, you know, my teacher, was, it was my mother-in-law was teaching a class and she, because I'm very, I'm, I'm kind of analytical, you know, so she kind of gave me some of the reasons why this mm-hmm. will work. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. And so when I did it and I fully participated and when I was done, I realized that I hadn't really had any conscious thoughts my entire life, if that makes sense. I realized that there was all this thinking going on, but... I wasn't aware of it. It was just happening. Yep. You know, it was just happening. And I realized like there's a separation there between yes. the thoughts and this the presence that's yes. like monitoring all of it. And one of the other benefits is, as you mentioned, to being able to to witness and to see your thoughts, just potentially slow them down. You can also, and from that place, be able to transplant your thoughts. You know, yes. like you can catch a thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm thinking this really terrible or ignorant thing that just has no relevance in my life or any importance. Let me just put something positive there. Yes. You know, if that, if, and these are skills that you develop by having the practice of meditation. Yeah. You can begin to rewrite those stories. Yes. Right. An expert, I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Eckhart Tolle or who, they likened it to um, watching your thoughts. It's like watching a movie. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you're in a movie theater and you're watching the screen on the screen are like your thoughts and your life, your whole life and the committee, right? Like the inner judge, the inner critic, like all of those things. The difference between someone who is, has even like a a modicum of self-awareness and those that do not are that the person who has the self-awareness realizes that they are in a movie theater watching a movie. And the person that doesn't quite realize it yet has fully invested that that movie is their life. Like that is their identity. Yeah. Right. When we like when we link our identity with our thinking, mm-hmm. we're on a slippery we're on a slippery slope because it means you can be controlled. It means you can be provoked. It means yeah. you can be, you know, taught to think a certain way. It basically means that you can be manipulated. Ooh, this is so good. And I like Eckhart Tolle. I like how he does his hands. And the ego is <laughs> coming up. You know, I love it. Oh, my God. The pain body. I love that. I'm just like, oh, my God. I can oh. feel my pain body right now. My pain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. And, you know, there's so I want to ask you about so many things. And, <laughs> you know, I know that there are many other strategies mm-hmm. for de-stressing yep. our gut. Yep. But I would love if we can, let's just share one more mm-hmm. before we before I let you go. All right. And I don't a, want to. It'll be I'll a practical one. I know I'm going to have to come back on the show. I'm going <laughs> to have to come back again. Um, so the another wonderful way to balance your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system is orgasm. Hello. Hello. All right. It works on the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems, whether you're a man or a woman. And I actually think orgasms are like an underutilized um, approach. You don't say. For stress reduction. Yep. Tell me more. With your partner, without your partner, whatever. So the, the act of orgasm is activating both the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. And having that appropriate action fosters more appropriate action. Mm. And orgasm releases all kinds of feel-good hormones, right? PA, oxytocin, anandide, like all of those things. And it just bathes your brain in good feelings. Mm -hmm. And your second brain. And your second brain. Yeah. It benefits from that. One of those, it's like a, I liken it to like a cocktail of chemicals, um, like oxytocin. Yes. Which has been found to have a direct... Um, influence on cortisol yes. and helping to balance that out, yes. which is, again, it's, and I love that you just said that there's sympathetic and parasympathetic yes. aspects to it. Yes. One of them is norepinephrine, mm-hmm. which even though it sounds like this is a, you know, it's a stimulant mm-hmm. in a sense, or noradrenaline, um, that is actually related to your REM sleep. Yes. So improvement in that. So, oh, well, such no, a... And I'm glad yeah. that you're qualifying that because I think... Um, for consumers and for listeners, it's very 
easy for us to like pigeonhole, like, oh, the sympathetic nervous system is bad, like adrenaline is bad, cortisol bad, parasympathetic is good. You want, we need both. We need the appropriate balance and like the appropriate movement of those two nervous systems. Mm -hmm. It's all relevant and contextual to like what is going on in your life right now. So you're exactly right. Like it's, you know, adrenaline doesn't, or noradrenaline, like, doesn't just, like, get your heart rate up and, like, you know, get your muscles moving. Like, it plays a role, like, even when you're sleeping. Yeah. So it's heavily nuanced. Wow. And I think that that, in, in speaking about orgasm, we're, it's something that feeds into everything else, too, because I know some people are listening, like, I, I mean, seriously, which for me, it's just like, what? But, mm-hmm. you know, I posted something the other day, a study, because I did an episode recently on the connection between sex and lifespan. And I'll put that in the show notes. If you miss it, it's so good. It's so good. It's just shocking, all of these different studies that I came across. Um, But, you know, I posted some pieces of it on social media. And, you know, a lot of people, like 90% of people like, yes, sign Mm -hmm. me up. I get it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel you on this. But some people like, twice a week? Are you serious? You know, just like can't even conceive of that. Mm -hmm. And so let's speak a little bit to that because I think you know, in relationship to you feeling better because of your sleep quality, mm-hmm. in relationship to your relationships yep. and and stress in your life, it all feeds into you even wanting to yep. have sex. Well, and that's a great point because a lot of some folks might be like, I don't even like my my libido is completely shot. Like I don't, ha- I'm not even uh, awake enough. Like I'm too tired to even think about that. Um, or you know. Some people can't have orgasms like they physically cannot. And there are very valid reasons for that. And so what I would say is that if that doesn't resonate for listeners, like to not do it and maybe to go for the walk. Yeah, don't and put stress as, on that. Yeah, don't, don't put pressure, don't put additional pressure on yourself. Like, oh my God, now I have to have an orgasm twice a week and I, I don't want to. Like, that's yeah. not what we're talking about. That's not what we're going for. It is a tool that we can use. Uh, and you might notice that as you sleep better, move a little bit more, calm your central and enteric nervous systems, de-stress your gut a little bit, that, and increase your self-awareness and tune into your body a little bit more. Eventually, you might be more open to having more orgasms. But yeah, I don't want that to be, that's not like a line in the sand for me where like people have to do this and like, you know, put it on the protocol. You know, that we definitely don't need to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is so cool. Uh, So the new uh, information that you have out there, new research, new protocols, de-stress your gut. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? So de-stress your gut academy is my newest free educational sequence. And it is all about the gut brain connection. So a lot of what we just covered where I, we like do this deep dive into like, what is that connection? Like literally, what is it? And then how that in turn influences digestive health and how that plays a role in multiple digestive disorders. And then of course, how to de-stress your gut. Mm. Some of the practical things that we've talked about and then some of the intangibles, more esoteric that are highly personal and related to like our personal history and our personal stories and like our own self-narratives and like unpacking all of that and rewriting it to basically make our, increase our inner ease. Yeah. So it's on my website, uh, along with tons of other like free education and programs and stuff like that. So, so what's the URL? It's my website is jillientita.com. Sweet. Everything is there. My book, my social, email me. I love hearing from people. Yeah. And I reference your book. I go back to it <laughs> and everything you do is just like world-class. And oh, Sean, so I'm that. really Thank excited so about the, the new Academy. Yeah. So definitely everybody go pick it up. And I appreciate you think, I appreciate you for taking the time to come and hang out with me face to face. And also I appreciate you just continuing to push the envelope, packaging up new information and, and learning and sharing with all of us. It's mm. just, it's the best. No, Sean, I appreciate everything that you're doing. All these people you're reaching is just, can't, can't mimic that. Can't fake that. Thank you so much. You're the best. (laughs) You're the best. (laughs) Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. And definitely, definitely check out the new Academy, De-Stress Your Gut. I think this is going to be a huge conversation moving forward. And Jillian has been at the forefront and just really getting this information out. Like she's one of the first people to put out a book on gut wellness before microbiome became 
a huge catchword, which is more than that. This is not just a trend, but this is really where science is, is, is moving towards, like everything. It's going to change the books, it's going to change the way that we're taught in schools. But as you know, sometimes, especially with conventional education, change takes time, especially if people have been bought in and kind of uh, indoctrinated in things that don't work. You know, as crazy as it sounds, if you take really smart people and you teach them to do the wrong thing, they become world-class at doing the wrong thing. And so it can take time for this process to happen, but trust and believe, learning about the microbiome and all the different ways that it relates to your life. You know, we think that our consciousness even is just like located up here because we have eyes and ears are up here, but there's a lot going on with what's happening in your belly. And today is just a little piece of that, thanks to Dr. Jillian Titus' work. So I appreciate you so much for tuning in. If you got a lot of value out of this episode, please share it out with your friends and family on social media. And of course, tag me and you can tag Jillian as well. What's your Instagram? It's Jillian Tita. Jillian Tita on Instagram. Let her know what you thought of the episode. And I appreciate that so very much as well. And we've got some powerhouse episodes coming soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.